This episode is brought to you by Revel Snacks, R-E-V-O-L-S-N-A-X. Now, I have to say, I personally ventured down the keto path mid-2019 and really struggled initially. I felt like I was missing out on the little joys in life and couldn't enjoy any snacks or desserts. Then I came across Rebel Snacks and haven't looked back. They are by far the most delicious health food product I've ever come across. I mentioned that I'm a fan of keto, but these are the perfect option for paleo, vegan, or just overall healthy lifestyles. I try and eat as clean as possible, and these snacks are incredibly clean. It's a company that truly cares about their ingredients, uses organic when possible, and is mindful of our on-the-go lifestyles. Check out Rebel Snacks today and use code MUSICTHEORY10, M-U-S-I-C-T-H-E-O-R-Y-10 for 10% off your first order. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, Rhythm Section, to another episode of the Music and Theory Podcast. I'm Mike, and as always, joined by Steve. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. <laughs> I miss that voice, man. It's been a while. That's how it's done. been a while. Glit. <laughs> Good to see you and hear you, Mike. Yes, yes. Yeah. In the I Rhythm Section, you know as what? it were. That's something that's nice about these things, right? Skype, we can see each other, we can talk a little yeah. bit. And in this current environment, what's what's better than that? Obviously, it would be great to be in person, but we do all that we can virtually here. So uh, good good time, Stevie. Yeah, uh, man. Tonight... We're depriving the rhythm section of our pulchritude, by the way, by not posting these video episodes. Dude, I don't even episodes. know what that Maybe word someday means. we will. But That's we'll such a good word. That's a great word. Pulchritude, that was for you, Mike. Come on. <laughs> I'm not just a pretty face, man. Got, you know uh, what? <laughs> I got all sorts of. Ver- I've got vernacular and lexicon. So you do. You, you do. I think the rhythm section love that about you. So that's good. <laughs> so listen, rhythm section. Here's what we're working on today. Stevie and I are going to talk through. Obviously, we'll do our around the horn, and then we're going to get into some of our favorite bass lines of all time. Interesting topic. We haven't gone there yet. As you know, Steve mm-hmm. has a background playing the bass. He played every instrument, but one of them being the bass. <laughs> Um, me, myself, never played a bass, but I certainly have some favorite bass lines, so we'll get into that. When we do verses tonight, we're going in an interesting direction for the next few episodes, and we'd love to hear from you all as well if you have ideas on the best approach here. But we're going to talk about bands where they have had multiple successful solo acts coming out of that band. So, for example, tonight we're going to cover the Beatles, and we're going to talk about Paul McCartney and George Harrison in particular, but there are so few bands out there, interestingly enough, that have actually have had multiple highly successful solo artists. There are three that come to mind, maybe four. Um, we're not going to cover them all tonight, obviously. But if you have other ideas out there, let us know and we'll see if we can cover them. So without further ado, Stevie, playing, listening to, what do you got? You know, man, it's it's been a while and, you know, you you said it in the, um, you know, the, the pre-show here, but... Um, what was it? The end of December, right? Where we gave our yep. COVID sign off, sign our off giant middle finger to uh, 2020. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's funny, man. I, I don't know why I've gone back to the, to the nineties and some of these things, but I've really been listening to like, uh, like the smashing pumpkins mm. and, uh, STP again. Um, but you, you know, Siamese dream, you know, you have this distortion pedal yep. too, right? But like the Big Muff Pie, it is all over that record, and it just highly underrated so record. So awesome, I agree. I and agree. you hear Cherub Rock <clears throat> with Jimmy Chamberlain with the cool mm-hmm. roll intro and all the stuff, but the sound is just so good, you know. And it's like unmistakably '90s too, but it is. Yep. So I've been listening to that stuff, but I've been listening to Cake. Oddly <sighs> enough, <laughs> was that because of me, Cake. or was that because of no, you? Because I, I know I mentioned God, that. That's awesome. I know, dude. I know we talked about that. That's awesome. Um, and I, and I don't exactly know. Well, I do know why, because, you know, we'll, you know, ooh, foreshadowing, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. But so it was just because there's a couple of songs that I think, you know, uh, the bass line is just mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. So I had gone back to that. Um, but I had been, I had been listening to Fashion Nugget, mm-hmm. you know, the first one and Prolonging the Magic. Those were Beautiful. Cake is such an underrated band. Mm-hmm. I put them and Tonic. Mm. at the top of my list of bands that should have been able to do more. Not I that agree. they didn't yeah. do more. Mm-hmm. They should have attracted a better following Yep, and had more, I don't want to say commercial success, but I feel like people don't talk about them enough. Sure. That band is great. The horns, the vocals, the harmony, the everything, guitar sound, bass playing. Anyway. I completely agree. Uh, completely agree. 
And then I've been listening to that Kinks album, Lola versus Power Man and the Money Go Round. Wow. Part Excellent. It's album. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think we've said this, you and I, but like Lola's like not even the best track on that album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Between Strangers and Get Back in Line and This Time Tomorrow and Eight Man. Eight Man is in that movie Club Paradise, which <laughs> might be one of Robin Williams. It was like that was like his well, apart from like Good Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. Um and one hour photo. It was like his it was like his magnum opus, just being hilarious. But anyway, those those tracks are amazing. And then I went down the red hot chili pepper route, of course. You yes. can't help that. But Blood Sugar and Stadium Arcadium, you can't get away from those. Um, and then I went a little jazz, Mike. Sorry. I know when I go down this road, you laugh at me because you're like, you, you were really high, highbrow. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you should tell people that I'm highbrow because it, in the circles in which I run, I'm, I'm certainly not <laughs> highbrow. But um, the Clifford Brown and Max Roach album that I actually heard about from reading uh, Flea's autobiography, yeah, Acid for book. the Children. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And then again, you know, the Glenn Miller thing with Charlie Christian, just learning some of these solos. And mm. it's just, it really is. It's so brilliant. It's so smooth. It was ahead of its time. It influenced, he influenced so many people. He died way too young. Mm. And uh, so as a result, I've been playing a lot of that stuff. But I've also just been playing, I guess you'd call it like, just solos like over chord progressions. Like I would just okay. come up with things and say, okay, if it was this, what would I do and mm. why? I like that. You know, that sort of thing. Cause it's way too easy to just play songs all the time. Like, you know, and that doesn't really push you to get any better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really what I've been doing, man. How about you? When, what have you been playing? When I hear you talk about these jazz names and these guys I've never heard of it, you just out of, out of my league, it, you're in another stratosphere. I'm stuck here playing solos from the 1990s from great alternative songs that I remember. <laughs> What's wrong with it? So oh. let me work backwards because you said a few things that I actually want to tap into first before I hit on a few others. Uh, so Cake, amazing. And, and interesting, like such a unique band that I think captured a very specific audience in the 90s, probably the same audience that I think Weezer tapped into. Yeah, uh, right. You know, just that very unique sound, very interesting folks. I mean, you know, I think they had um, an, an introduction of a lot of that brass, I think made a lot of great uh, tone in that in, in that band and you know i was sitting back playing the i will survive cover which i don't remember if you and i mentioned in our cover episodes episode uh or cover songs episode but mm. what a great cover song it's awesome and yeah. the guitar tone i just i cannot replicate that but i've been working my way through the solo making pretty good progress on it to tell you the truth the hardest part for me is at the end when they're he's ripping around it looks like those sliding six i said i think and he passes like these uh, they're like passing tones i think on some of the uh the sixth mm-hmm. so it's not like he's just hitting them individual he's kind of sliding into them from mm. a passing tone it's very impressive anyway the, the tone alone i think makes that song so that's cool i know you mentioned the chili peppers uh and i was actually curious <laughs> if you've heard anything because i know now that Frusciante's back They've been toying around with not only new music, new album, but hopefully a tour at some point. I know with COVID, everything is shut down, but I still have yet to hear a thing. Have you heard anything from the Chili Peppers no. yet? Nothing. No, right? and I really, I really want to yeah. because it would be so cool. You hear things about it too. You hear limited outdoor concerts, mm-hmm. you know, being allowed soon. And you know, we're in New York. Well, you know, whatever the Northeast, and mm-hmm. it's. It would be cool because, you know, in this area, we've been starved for that kind of sure. stuff. It would be, but no, I, I've not heard anything about it and I'm listening intently. I kind of just wait for you to hear about it, right? but <laughs> for some reason you have your finger on the pulse. Dude, so. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me cover a couple of the things that I've been listening to and been playing. Uh, I took a very far step outside my comfort zone in terms of listening. And I heard this band, or I should say this solo artist who I guess has a group with him, but this guy, Grandson. Have you heard about him? Okay. Mm. You know how I'm not the biggest Rage Against the Machine fan, right? It's like mm. kind of loud, angry, and highly political all at once. <laughs> well, I think Grandson is that. And I okay. said to myself, you know what? I, I owe it to myself to kind of take a step outside my comfort zone, listen to something that I normally wouldn't, and see what it's all about. I heard about him on the radio, so I said, let, let me listen to an album. It was one of the um, first albums I've listened to front to back in, in probably a few months. At the time, at least, this was probably early January. So I listened to it, and I actually listened to it while I was in the weight room. And it was a phenomenal album. Uh, the the most recent... yeah, it, While you were in the it, weight room, that's amazing. Well, yeah, it totally caught me by um, 
by surprise too because I didn't expect myself to like it. The album was called Death of an Optimist, and <laughs> it, it yeah I know right just that yes. alone, and it is it is loud and it is angry and you can hear it in this guy's voice. And I said you know what if I can listen to this while I'm working out and it's actually really good I think for that style. Uh, if that's what you're into while you're working out, something like that. Alternatively, I'll listen to a podcast every once in a while, but that was pretty cool. But definitely not my typical, you know, Mike, Mc, you know, Mike McManus listen, things I would listen to, right? That was something very outside my comfort zone. And I just Good went for with you. it. So that yeah. was cool. Um, you never heard of him, right? I'm assuming. Because I know I hadn't no. heard of him up until a month and a half ago. I can't say I have. Maybe I know the song, yeah. but I, I can't <laughs> say I have. Yeah. Uh, and then I've been playing some of my usual stuff, some Isbell. I was working on uh, the song Different Days, which is an awesome song. Great chord progression and uh, really unique styling with the fingers, I think. So that was cool. I actually broke out the telly because I remember nice. you and I were talking about how some of these guitars just sit around and I, you know, wind up not using them. I have my telly in classic, uh, you know, Stones fashion uh, set up for Keith Richards Open style G. playing. Yeah, and I was with no rip- with no six string. Yeah, well, like you know, I didn't rip off ever. the low E. I should, but I didn't. You should do that. No, and uh, I was ripping around on "Can You Hear Me Knocking," which is just such a great <laughs> song. And oh, man, so good, right? So doing that, I was playing a little Pearl Jam. I was playing "Just Breathe" and uh, thumbing my way back uh, to you uh, or to heaven. And um, what's interesting about those songs is I think with some Pearl Jam, I've actually started to become okay with the more intermediate term Pearl Jam. You know, for a while there, I was a hater on... Uh, well, like the Avocado album? Yeah, you know, yeah, like... That's good stuff, are, man. Yeah, and this is stuff that at the time when it came out, I was like, what is this? I can't listen to this. And now that I'm getting older, I'm like, there's actually really good songs on a few of these albums. Yeah, like Binaural and all that mm-hmm. stuff. You know what had happened, man? Like when Dave Abrazizi was was unceremoniously like removed from the band and Jack yep. Irons yep. joined, I didn't... I, I don't know how I don't you know, I, I just did, I kind of didn't get it because the musicianship like if you watch the uh, unplugged is so good. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, though. My buddy who's a huge who's he's I told you it's like <laughs> it's like Eddie Vedder is the number one fan. And yeah, then it's yeah. like my buddy Joe is like the number two <laughs> Pearl Jam fan. Uh, and I'm saying that as a compliment. Yeah. But he really clued me into that stuff. And then I got back in in Backspacer, mm. if you know that mm-hmm. album, and sure. I went and saw them. And they were unbelievable. Anyway, not to not to knock you off track, but, but yeah, that stuff that stuff is great when you go back to it. Sometimes you need some space to go back and say, yeah, that's really good. Even Backspacer, though, that's one that at the time I was not a fan of, and now I'm like, oh. there's great songs on this. Well, album. that's because Matt Cameron plays the drums, and he is kick effing mm-hmm. ass on that album, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. So that was cool. And then, yeah. uh, just as you called earlier, uh, the reason I missed your first call and only saw your text is because I was looking at my iPad while I was playing. And I was actually ripping around on Long Train Running, some Doobie Brothers, which I'll be honest, I don't think up until probably, what was it, a year and a half ago, maybe two years at this point, I ever played correctly until you showed me how to play it correctly. So thank you for that, The hammer on stuff. Yeah, man. The picking picking is important on that, too. Mm -hmm. And what a great song. What a great song, right? I mean, listen, I don't love the whole Doobie catalog, but that portion of it, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Everyone calls that song Without Love, too, right? Like, there's a few Doobie songs that, like, Mm -hmm. people were like... Um, you know, it's, they, they get like, um, all, you know, all the, all the names wrong. Cause they're like using the chorus <laughs> as like the name of the, that's interesting. That's true. The, that's yeah, probably that's a whole nice. episode in, of, its, of its own, right? Yeah, Songs that go by other names. It's um, true. And then the other thing, let's see, I was also playing a little, well, actually, okay. I was playing two versions of this. So earlier in the month I was playing while my guitar gently weeps Harrison version G minor. Uh, uh, oh, and ah, yeah, the capo. Version, yeah, yeah, and that was cool. I never played that, so I did that on my acoustic, which was fun. And then just about an hour ago, I was playing the traditional version, Clapton style, and uh, and just having a blast with that. That was actually when you called. It was extremely loud down here. So I'm surprised. My oh, is that why? I know yeah, it. Freak out or anything? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think that is everything I've been playing and been listening to. I definitely made a conscious effort to at least touch each one of my guitars in the last uh, month and a half or two because you and I talked about that. And I was like, you know what? This is a crime. I should be at least playing these every once in a while, making sure that they all still work properly. Oh, there you go. You know what? Last thing I'll talk about before we move on, because I did think this was interesting as well. Um, 
so I never realized, and this is going to sound stupid for a second, but I never no, realized no. how important the cable is uh, for the guitar and the quality the of cord? cable that you use. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. So I had I had some old Fender cables that I had been using, and I kept getting a lot of feedback. Uh, now, granted, the way I've set up my pedals is a daisy chain. I don't have everything going in through a single power source, so I expected a little feedback because of that. But it was never it was never perfect. It was never crisp, and. Uh, I was dealing with this one fender cable that was just getting worse and worse and worse. And then one day just completely stopped working. Right. So I took that out and I went ahead and bought myself a Diodario one. And it's actually been like perfect, pristine. Haven't heard anything since in terms of feedback. So I said, okay, wow, that's a good thing in the first step. But then secondly, I reached out to fender and I asked them if they had any good, like troubleshooting tips and techniques. Cause I actually took the heads off. I was going to like resolder it. I was like, what can I do in here? And, uh, and they said they have a lifetime warranty on all of their cables. So they actually said, chop the heads off and we'll send you a brand new one free of charge. So I actually thought that was really cool, but it is pretty awesome. It also had me questioning though, like, is it free of charge and so easy for them to do because now it's all like probably made in China and they're like, Hey, let's just, these things are so cheap for us. Who knows? But yeah, you know, I played a couple of fender cables and they're, they're good. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I always look to like Warren Haynes as like my North Star of Well, what does he you know, use? He uses Planet Waves and I've oh, used those okay. and they're and they're unbelievable. I mean they're not cheap, but mm-hmm. they're really good. And then Jeff Beck, I think, has like custom made ones. They look like they're like chain link fences or something. <laughs> like, right? They look like like they're stereo wire, you know? And they're amazing. The guy has the best tone ever. So it makes I never you never think about it, especially mm-hmm. when you're a kid. You buy these like yeah. $10 ones exactly. from Sweetwater, right? Exactly. You know, you're like, oh, okay, I get like a 30 foot cable for eight bucks. Well, there's a reason <laughs> you got it for eight bucks, right? It's not bad, but it's not great. Yep. The Diodario one was definitely more expensive, and I paid a little bit more for it purposely to see if it made a difference, and I think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to it your does. point, it's like, you know, you've had cables for 15, 20 years, and at some point they're going to go also. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, there you go. Nice. There you go. Epi- Epiphany. Epiphany. That's it. All right, good stuff. So uh, playing, listening to, a lot of great information there. Uh, and honestly, you know, this is a lot of stuff that uh, I've been finding myself kind of playing and listening to more and more of. So I'm trying to at least keep working on a lot of the same material uh, to get better and better at it. I think the worst thing that I've done over the years has been like jump around, jump around from partial song to partial song. Finishing a whole song, I think, is a big accomplishment for guitar players. Yeah, you have to. It's a good, it's a good idea. <laughs> All right, so let's move on into our topic for today. And uh, we are covering our favorite bass lines. And I have a few. Steve has probably more than a few. And <laughs> I've got as, a lot, dude. <laughs> as a result, Steve, I'd love to hear you kick it off. And also, if you wouldn't mind, kind of talk to us a little bit about what you think makes a good bass line. Yeah. Uh, so out of a canon, number one, uh, I'm going to go ramble on Led Zeppelin, man, John Paul Jones. It's right. like, it probably is in my opinion, one of the greatest ones of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, how do, how do I say, how do I say it? You know, for the rhythm section and then there's musicians who get this and, and people who just, who could probably understand just by feel, but you know, notes that a bass player is playing change with the chords that you know, the guitar player is changing. Usually it doesn't have to, but, and that's really meant to mimic what's happening on a piano, right? You have mm. the treble clef, you have, which is the right hand. And then you have the bass clef, which is the left hand. And you're trying to, you know, bring all of that sonic perspective with you. But for me, a, a solid baseline is the tone. It's mm. the feel it's, you know, how, I don't want to say different, but how it's complementing the song. But, you almost hear the bass line in Ramble On more than the actual guitar work. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's not overpowering. Mm-hmm. And somehow it works. I don't know how, but you know, like I'm sure you like it's like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of that in this episode. <laughs> but it's amazing. And in, 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 like even in the chorus, like you can actually go on and get John Paul Jones's isolated track. Mm from ramble on and you're like how is he doing that you know and it's not flashy it's just amazing you know 
Um, Steve, what, so, re- re- remind uh, me and refresh the rhythm section here too for the uniqueness of a bass. So we're typically yeah. dealing with how many strings? What are the gauges? Yeah. This is like totally wow. different beast than so a typical it's guitar. Four. No, it's tonic. You know, from the tone, it's just you know, it's just octaves down, mm-hmm. right? So it's still E A D G on a bass. Usually, mm-hmm. you're playing four. If you play five, it actually goes down, not up. Oh, interesting. So if you played a fifth string, it's the B. So wow. if you think about okay. it, like you play B on a guitar and mm-hmm. it would be higher, it's still B, but they bring it down. So B is the lowest note. Wow. And, um, you know, the, I, I don't know the gauges off the top of my head, but, you know, suffice it to say but that they're pretty you're, thick. you're playing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. you're playing. Um, the thought is that you can easily switch from guitar to bass. And while that's conceptually true, mm-hmm. There is something unique about a good bass player, you mm. know, like who who feels what they're doing and they're not just playing what they call root note basses. Right. And again, playing just the root notes of chords is not bad. There's really nothing wrong with that. Mm. But there's a lot more to it, right? So Very cool. So yeah, that would be me. I would say John Paul Jones is my hero. All right. On bass. Yeah, and, you know what? That and, makes and sense. Milan is the track on Zep 2. There that you go. That makes sense. I'm going to jump down Nirvana territory. Uh, we're going to go with Nova Selleck. And I think the intro for You Know You're Right is so cool. And yeah, that's a good right. Theory. And again, it's like that whole is I told you there's gonna be a lot of that in this episode. It's a but lot of that. it's it's such a cool intro. And anytime I hear that, I'm like, okay, like that is a that is a baseline. And I think it helps carry you through the course of the song. And to your point, it's not overpowering and it's not something where I think um like the song doesn't, you can get by without probably that part of the song, but I think it enhances it substantially and mm-hmm. it makes it more visceral and you really feel that. And I think that's a big part of bass playing is kind of that whole visceral impact that you get and it kind of gets your blood moving a little bit. Now, do I think Chris Novoselic is the greatest bass player in the world? Absolutely not. But See, that doesn't matter though. Right. It's not about best bass players. I think perfect for you know? that song, perfect yeah. for that time. And I'll yeah. listen to him any day of the week, you know, for this type of music. So uh, Nirvana, you know you're right. And wow. uh, there's probably a number of other Nirvana songs I've missed. And Rhythm Section, if you could think of what you think might be an even better demonstration of Novoselic's bass playing ability, let me know. But that's the one that I heard in the car, and I said, you know what? That's going on the list. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, no, I like it, dude. I think it's good. And and Noel Selig probably gets overshadowed because uh, he's like the odd man out. So true. It's like Alex Lifeson and Rush. They should yeah. get way more name check than they do. Mm-hmm. But the other two guys are awesome. It's not just you know Cobain, who was the songwriter, and obviously he passed away. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Grohl went on to his own fame, and he was awesome in Nirvana. He was sure. a, he was a kick ass drummer, you know. So. I agree. I think it's a, it's a good call. I agree with it. Cool. Um, I'm going to take Orion by Metallica and the basis is Cliff Burton. And that poor guy also died too, way too young. Yep. But, um, that track is amazing because it opens up, um, it like fades in, which is really cool, you know, Mm -hmm. and you don't really hear Cliff a lot in a lot of those tracks, because I think that was his thing. He's like, I don't want to stand out too much, but he's doing some really nice stuff. And there's some minor to major things that happen in the first part of the song. And then there's this just breakdown where there's basically a bass solo and it's got crazy, you know, classical music influence and there's guitar harmony. And there's points where the guitars are playing very, fairly straightforward and cliff is playing crazy, lines over it where you know i don't know if you if you know the track orion but that part in the middle it's like and then but if you really listen close there's parts where it's like he's and he's playing that with his fingers it's amazing and um and then it goes back into the into the same you know uh part of the opening part of the song and it closes out with that it's just incredible man so and cliff Again, he died young, but yeah. like if you watch videos of him, like oh, the yeah. for whom the bell tolls stop, I mean, he's awesome. So there's no way you could get get past not you know name checking Cliff Burton, you know. Well, in passing there, so I'm just gonna jump around. Uh, I have for whom the bell tolls. Nice, right? Yeah, nice. Cliff Burton style, baby, and. You watch a video of him. I think a lot of people don't even realize that that's a bass, you know, frankly, because it, it's, oh, it's the it's intro. Such, yeah, it's yeah, a distorted, such a unique sound, bass. right? Who does that? And right. and actually, I don't even know that I did initially until you see it either live on YouTube or something. Somebody tells or, you. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, that's a base. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute. That's amazing. I so, played that in the Battle of the Bands when I was in like 11th grade. Here. I swear to God. And I had to buy a special <laughs> bass wah-wah pedal for that. My father was fear. He was like, I'm going to spend $150. Like, he was so mad. Amazing. But God bless. Thanks, Dad. He, he, I got it and it was awesome. That man. is so really cool. Good. I hope you had like a giant wig or something to rip around with that no, too. No. At the time, no. It was, it was pretty sure. <laughs> At the time, no. But now, yes. <laughs> Later in life, I I did purchase this. Yeah, way. I grew it out. Yeah. Well, yeah. So for whom the bell tolls was going to be uh, on my list here. And again, how could you make a list about bases and bass lines and not have Cliff Burton in it? He's amazing. Well, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So you took for whom the bell. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to jump Mike to a guy that I found out about. I want to say when I was like in college. And the reason I found out is I went at the time to Sam Ash, which, you know, folks in New York and I think other areas of the country will get, but it, was, it had a huge presence here. Sure. And there was this guy playing a five string bass and he had like just gotten off work. You know what I mean? He was like still in like his FedEx outfit. It was amazing. <laughs> and he was crushing this bass line. And I was like, dude, who is that? Mm. Like, who are you playing? You know, he was like, Oh, that's Jocko. And apparently at the time you only had to say like one word, you know what I mean? Mm. So I was like, Oh, okay. Like Jocko. Right. And then, um, <laughs> So I went, I went home and I looked it up and it was Jocko Pastorius. And I'm like, oh, let me look into this, right? And dude, I got the first album, it's just called Jocko Pastorius. Mm-hmm. And the song is called Come On, Come Over. And if you don't know it, I mean, it drives the whole, it's like, boo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, Like he just crushes it in it. And he's so in the pocket. And again, he's another guy who died way too young. But like, if you, you ask any bass player, uh, and you literally, what about Jocko? They're all like, oh, you know, like it's one of those guys that you just like, he like ripped the frets off the bass to like make a fretless bass. Cause I think at the time he was playing an upright Wow. and he was in Florida, the humidity like completely blew up the instrument. So he ripped out all the frets with like a plier mm-hmm. and that's why he's got this crazy unique sound. But yeah, Jocko Pastorius, come on, come over from the original Jocko. Album. I don't know if you know him well, but that tune is so, is so amazing. So I'll take your word for it. I don't. <laughs> But uh, I will write it down, and I will yeah. make sure I get into that. So excellent. There you go. All right, cool. Um, this one, I'm curious if this is on your list, and if it's not this song, I'm sure you have something on your list. But I gotta go. Tool Schism. Oh, that's amazing. Justin I like. Chancellor. It's not on my list, but I love Chancellor. Man, that guy's amazing. Oh man. That's amazing. You know. <laughs> Come on, tell me that wasn't perfect. You nailed it. You're going to be the resident bass player for the night. So anytime we have a song, I got to hear it. Um, You know, it's funny. I don't think I was like the biggest Tool fan until we started this podcast. And then like each month, each year, it's built. And like Tool's amazing. Because I never shut up. Yeah, I'm like, we were always talking about Tool. And and, like, you know, whether it's uh, drop detuning on the guitar or just incredible bass playing by Chancellor, right? Or my God, vocals. It's great band. Oh yeah, great man. band. Maynard's voice is amazing. Danny Carey's drumming is amazing. Yeah, they're good, man. But no, yeah, Sch- Justin, that's a great call with Schism. Schism. I don't know how it's off my list, man. Is like one of those songs, and I know I've mentioned this as another idea for a podcast at some point, but it's another one that you turn up in your radio if you're driving, and you're like, whoa. Oh yeah, like, all those cool tracks line. are like that. That is a baseline. It sure is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. Tool- that's a great call, so man. Tool Schism. Thank you. Somehow it's not on mine, but uh, I'll give you that because it should have been. That's <laughs> it should have been. That's right. All right. I am going to go Billy Jean by Michael Jackson. The bass player is Lewis Johnson. And that's all bass, man. No kidding. It's amazing. And then you got the keyboards in the background. But dude, I never would have went there. It's so that dude, that that bass line is incredible. Everyone knows it. It's instantly recognized. Is that tough to play? Can you have you ever played it? I can play it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Here's the difference. Is it hard to play? Yeah. I mean, it's technically it's technically difficult, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. But you also have to come up with that. You and I have said sure. this. Like, it's Somebody's got to write that somebody, solo, oh, that's right? not hard. Yeah. Like, guess what? You didn't write it, right? I wrote it. It's like the one-note song from Tenacious D, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there you go. I'm going to go Lewis Johnson, Billy Jean, man. That song is so badass. And the bass line is just, it again, It car- it's through basically through the whole song. But you instantly know what it is. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's cool. I like that you went into a totally different genre. I never would have went there. Mm-hmm. Um, so excellent. Well done. I'm going everywhere, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm going places you have no idea where I'm going. Just go. Yeah. I love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am going to go with a... 
let's see, a late artist here, Mike Starr of Alice in Chains, Wood. Ah. Uh, you know, I was going to put Wood on the list, and when it opens, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> and that is so another one good. where, again, like I've said before, that whole visceral impact. And you know what? I don't know. Maybe I'm stuck in the 90s here because these are all like 90s songs I've mentioned, okay. 90s bands. But maybe maybe that's when bass really had its time. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you hit some, you hit classic rock, which is cool. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Did, too. I wonder I if the bass kind of changed a little bit, too, as we kind of got into the late 80s, early 90s. You know, I think the recording is there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I I think it was a it was a support instrument for a long time. I yeah. don't think it was really meant to be a standout instrument. Like you were part of the rhythm section, and for you, you know, and you you were there. Like you, you you took solos as as instrumentalists, mm-hmm. but you weren't meant to stand out until you were meant to stand out. But then you get rock bands, mm-hmm. and then you know, or especially trios, which I'm probably going to go to soon. Mm. Uh, and I hear you on that. Yeah. That's but probably I've got some stuff change. still yeah. from, um, you know, the eighties and nineties, but I've got some classic stuff too. Oh, very cool. All right. Let's hear it. I, it's tough. It was a toss up between she'll come back to me and hem of your garment by cake. So wow. I took hem of your garment <laughs> by Gabe, you know, Gabe Nelson plays the bass. Did you know that track? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I could do the baseline and I don't have to, but. Um, but it's so cool because it's also in me, myself, Irene. Me, yeah, myself, and Irene. that's right. That's right. And uh, or the just like the it's so good. And then the rhythm section is like, all right, I'm, this is exactly where they pause or turn off because I'm like, great. I can't take Steve I love this it. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go cake, hem of your garment, man. I think that track is amazing. Now it's like, you know, my favorite baseline because we're gonna get pilloried where people are like, that's not the best one. Well, it might be my favorite one or what I would classify as one that is like super awesome, um, you know, difficult to play in many respects, but, but, you know, clearly unique if you know what I'm saying. So what's that other song <clears throat> by cake later on? Um, uh, short skirt. Long yeah. Thank one. you. That's I was good trying one to too. The name. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a pretty good. No, but she'll come back to me here, and but... the distance, all those like that. I mean, it's a different bass player at that time, but like the, the work is really good regardless. They're mm. baseball. That's what I'm saying. They don't get enough credit, but anyway, I'm going to say cake on that one. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Um, in keeping with the nineties, <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to go with, Ariel's System of a Down by Shavo. And uh, what a cool song. Another song that I, you know, put on in the weight room, right? But... Such a cool song, man. And honestly, like, I'm not even the biggest System fan. Sewed, as it were. Yeah, they're good, Yeah, but what a cool song. And listen, there's a number of songs, and I think I've even mentioned, I saw Serge Tankian separated from System open up for... God, who the hell was it? This was years ago, but I saw him yeah, as an were, opening act. You brought act. that up. I forgot yeah, and it was pretty cool. I mean, just to see him live, but but man, to see System and Aerials in particular, great song, great bass line. Nice. And uh, again, I think I have a problem because I'm stuck in the 90s, apparently. That's all right. All right, we'll take it. We'll take Aerials by Sode. That's good. I'm going back um, to one of my you know namesakes on what well, not namesakes, one of my favorites on my favorite album of all time. I'm going to go money by pink Floyd, man. Ooh, How do you good not call. good call? Yep. Every, again, or it's like you hear all the registers, but the minute you hear like, boom, and it's in this crazy time signature. It's amazing. And then yeah. even through the solo, he's playing some really cool song. stuff, but Roger Waters, who probably doesn't instantly come to mind mm-hmm. as like a kick ass bass player. He's awesome though. Yeah. He really is a good bass player. He knows what he's doing. So yeah, there you go. I don't know how you talk about bass great idea. Great idea. I, you know, I definitely, as I look across my list here, I definitely, and I didn't do this on purpose, but I omitted a lot of, like the typical classic rock and/or prog rock legends. And I, you know, I don't know if it's just because you don't it, like prog rock. I don't like prog rock. <laughs> so that could be what it There's is. The, I was like, I found your answer. You don't like. <laughs> No, you know, it's funny. It's like I'm looking at this list right now and I'm like, man, this is like a really focused myopic uh, view of the world. But anyway, that's all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, now I'm going to take you to a familiar band, but hopefully now we've stepped out of the 90s into the more recent decades. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chili Peppers, okay, because I knew we had to have some flea on this list. Now, I think I the rhythm section too. is going to hate on me right now, ah, do but it. I actually think... Dark Necessities is a pretty solid really? baseline. Yes. Yeah. And that's another song and another album that I really didn't like when it came out. I actually wound up going to see them shortly after that album came out. Um, and of course, this was in, in the non-Fruchante era. Yeah, but say. that being said, I listened to it recently as I was getting ready for this episode. And I said, huh, you know, Dark Necessities, it felt very mature to me. It felt like Flea, <laughs> you know, like, listen, man, the guy's been rocking a long time. And every song can't be around the world, right? And and uh, and Blood Sugar, right? So it seems like he's gotten to a point where it's almost like a more mature bass playing, and it's very controlled. Mm-hmm. I felt like he, you know, he was he was very aware of what he was playing, and it's it's tight. It's really tight. He seems very in the pocket on it. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go Dark Necessities, and nice. I, you know, I think something like Around the World is another great bass line. Not to throw yeah. two out here. But for this you list, throw out too. I'm to, gonna throw out a few. <laughs> to yeah. make it a little more different, I think Dark Necessities is pretty cool. See, that's a cool one, man. I had a hard time with like, um, with like picking a flea one because I I don't know how you avoid picking flea right? on Baseless? a lot of this one, right? Yeah. Um, I will probably go give it away. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when you hear like boom, ba do 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 do, and that's not the right. Uh, it almost sounds like come together, right? Where it's like boom, 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 boom. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. I mean, that's so. I I threw that out there just because you. I was gonna do come on girl where you have like like because that baseline is really cool. I mean, every Chili has a cool baseline. Every Chili Pepper song. He's because he's flea man. It's like come on now. You could you could do. You could probably say uh higher ground but i mean that's not mm-hmm. his track you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and anyway but i jumped right on yours so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say the red hots with flea uh michael bowsery as it were and uh give it away so yes. there you go so, you take, <laughs> so take it back go ahead see i like it so you went like early you know chili peppers and i went more modern that's you okay went, you went with like the young they're immature they're wild. i went to your 90s there so yeah there you go. <laughs> right. well played mm-hmm. sir well played all right well you'll appreciate this one then and um Let's see. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Rush. Oh. And uh, I'm gonna go. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe yeah. they pronounce it Y Y Z. Yeah. Well, they say Y Y Z because they're the Z. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. English Canadian. And and yeah. I think I saw an interesting wow. story on this. I don't know if you ever caught wind of this, but apparently it has to do with something code. with like some type of what airport code or yeah, Morse it's, code. It's the airport. A... It's the Toronto airport. Yeah. Like uh, call sign. Yeah. And uh, killer yeah, baseline. I mean, how can you go wrong with Getty Lee, well, right? Because you open up with like this this uh, flat five or tritone where it's like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I get, dude, I have three Rush songs. <laughs> like, I couldn't pick one. And I, I, I know everyone's going to be like, pick one, idiot. <laughs> no, dude, YYZ is, or Z, whatever, yeah. is really, really, really awesome. And it's cool that it's an instrumental tune. And mm-hmm. like the, and he, that same guy who I saw in Sam Ash also played yyz oh wow and i was like and he was just like oh yeah that one's not too bad it was like i was like oh my god and you know i had a pick i was using a pick at the time and i was like this guy is just he's a bad he's like you play i was like nope i like ran out of the room yeah i mean that sort of thing oh that's phenomenal that's a great call man here let me take rush then so i got three i know this sounds absurd but i can't with a catalog like that, mm-hmm. with a guy who plays so well, I've got Vital Signs. Now, okay. a lot of people probably don't know – well, not don't know it, but may not name check that one. It's the last track on Moving Pictures, which also has YYZ on it. Mm. Um, and it's really cool. It's kind of reggae-influenced, and it's when they talk about it – like, they were young when they were writing, and he was a huge police fan, Neil mm-hmm. Peart was, and all this stuff. But the bass line, dude, is so driving. Um, you know, our fan, you know, one of the guys in the rhythm section, Johnny T, will probably talk. But it's like, boo do 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 And he pl- actually, the guy also played Vital Signs. And I didn't know how amazing it was. But I've got Free Will on here, too. I don't know if you Love know it. that track. Oh, but yeah. when I listen to Free Will, I'm just like, how is he doing that? And then the last one is Digital Man off this album, Singles, or Signals, rather, which a lot of people are probably like, 
I haven't even listened to that album. Mm. Uh, Cause it's like one of those ones that came out like during the keyboard era okay. of Rush, like eighties. And it was amazing. I still like it, but those are the three, man. I've got Getty Lee, mm. Um, or Gary Horowitz, as it were, and you've got uh, Vital Signs, Free Will, and Digital Man. Sorry, I know that's a lot, but if you're going to go with one artist, you might as well try to give him beautiful or her as much credit as you possibly can, right? Beautiful, love it, absolutely love it. So go uh, ahead, hit me. I have two more on my list here. Um, I'm going to go with. Let's see. I'm an what idiot, you... by the way. It's Gary. It's 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 Gary Weinrib. I can't believe I I said you know that. Anyway, go ahead, go for it. <laughs> All right, I am going to go with the Cranberries, and I'm going to go with the song really? Salvation. And bass wow. player Michael, I think it's Gerard Hogan, who I really wasn't familiar with. And, you know, not that I'm like the biggest Cranberries fan, but they're a cool band. And uh, my daughter is really into them. I, I like to get her into music that I would have listened to, you know, and she digs it. And I was listening to Salvation the other day, and I was like, that's a really cool bass line. So... In keeping with the 90s, right? I mean, why not? And uh, that's a song that I didn't think would be on your list. And I wonder if it's on anybody else's out there. But definitely worth listening to if you are if you don't remember. I say, man, that's a good call. I mean, I don't <laughs> know that track super well, but en- enough to be like, you know, the um, it's, you know, it I, I, I one, I believe yeah. you too. That's really cool that you're we're going in different directions. Trying, I trying. I really like, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> The here's what I would do. The I am gonna go right into not to not to step on your pick there, which is really cool. Um, I'm gonna go back to classic rock, and I am gonna go Jack Bruce on Crossroads because Ooh, that nice. track is ridiculous. Yep, and uh, it's like he's playing lead bass, dude. Like Clapton is shredding guitar, yeah. and Ginger Baker is going crazy. But Jack Bruce, man. And that's live. And mm. whenever you hear that that version of Crossroads, yep, on the radio or wherever you hear it, it's sure. live. Yep, yep. Like yep. people forget that, and they're shredding the hell out of that song. Oh, yeah. You know. So yeah, I think if we were gonna not, if we we're gonna omit Jack Bruce, that would be stupid. That's right? a good so. one, and I think that song in particular because that's like Clapton's song, right? So he's singing that song, which is unusual for that band. And then at the end, he is. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what at the end Jack Bruce always goes. Eric Clapton on the vocals, right? Oh, yeah. Is it <laughs> him? I always end. thought, yeah, Eric Clapton on vocals. And so yeah, hopefully it gave Jack Bruce a little bit more room to run in that song would be my guess. But you're so right. Good. That's a great bass tune. Very good call. Yeah, and that's a Robert Johnson tune that they yes. totally redid. And, you know, uh, again, you know, there's there's a lot of this. Oh, everyone steals music. I, again, I don't think they saw it that way. You know, I think he's a, all, a lot of those blues artists, those modern day folks are always prepared to credit the original artist but anyway i'm gonna go jack bruce crossroads not to sidetrack too far but on that song it's interesting it comes up every once in a while but i've seen clapton live and uh when he plays crossroads he doesn't play it that style he plays it in a much slower like bluesy fashion probably more akin now, to the robert yeah, johnson well, that's the, way the original one yeah, yeah. and i'll be acoustic? honest with you what does he play it acoustic? Ah, uh, God, it was a few years ago. Because if he ago, does, that's like remember. a good representation of like the original song. You but know? I was like, I was so bummed out because I was like, I want the cream version, you know? Like I want to, like, like tear you it know, up. You know, that one tear is so up-tempo. Yeah. You wonder if he like wants to do that anymore. He's mm-hmm. probably played that song like a thousand times, yeah. if not more. Well, that's and he's true. probably like, I'm done with it. Yep, yep. So, or or that it. version anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll give you my last one here. My last one, go. we're going to go with Green Day, Longview. Nice. And, um, you know what? Great, great tune. I think Green Day probably has a few that could have made it onto the list. And, you know, I'm sure people are going to hate because there's so many other bands around this era where we could have jumped on other bass players. But these are the ones that stood out most to me. And when I listen to a Green Day song, a lot of times the bass line actually is what catches me first. Uh, and Longview, I thought had one of the more interesting bass lines. So that was a pretty cool one. Yeah. Well, you have the use of open strings while you're playing other things. Like, that's a really cool track. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with Green Day, which is tough, too, is, like, they're all half-step down, just like a lot of those bands in the oh, 90s it? were, I like, live that. was always a half-step down. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're right. Oh, yeah, that's like such when a you 90s to play, thing. Everybody. It is. <laughs> and when you wanted to play, um, like, in your garage band, when you wanted to play When I Come Around or, like, Lightning Crashes or yeah. any – or Screws like, everybody, uh, yeah. Oh man, we I love this track, White <laughs> Discussion. That's like the last track on uh, Throwing Copper. Yeah. 
And you can't. And I was a bass player. So you were like, boo, boo, doo, doo, boo, boo, doo, doo, boo, boo, doo, doo, boo. You know, it was really cool. But you have to tune the damn thing down. Now, for a bass player, that's easy. Yeah. But for a guitar, because you're not really playing chords. So even if you're like slightly out of tune with one string, it's not like devastating. But if a guitar player is like retuning and even it's slightly out of pitch, it's going to sound so well, bad. I'll but. tell you a really, really quick funny story about that. So my wife the other night, she was listening to Ed Sheeran. And uh, the song, uh, what is it, Tenor if C or something along those lines came on, and she really liked that song. She So she goes, can you learn this? And I was like, oh, man, all right, sure. I'll see what I could do. So I start looking into it, and sure enough, it's got like some strange alternate tuning where I think, yeah. I think the G was tuned down to like a B or something, and then there's a capo. So... So I was all over the place and I'm jumping into this song and she comes back in and she's like, oh, you know, it sounded, sounded pretty good. She was trying to be, you know, help me out a little bit. Encouraging. And, yeah, encouraging. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm getting there and I said to her, I was like, listen, man, just so you know, like I'm probably not going to play this too often because it's in an alternate tuning and I don't feel like dropping my acoustic guitar every so often just to play this. And she's like, why, why do bands do that? And I was like, honestly, I think for like this reason, they don't want to be covered and they want to make it difficult for everybody else to play. And, uh, you know, and then I told her about the whole, well, some like the tonal difference for certain songs and certain stylings and this and that. But at the end of the day too, I also think there's a little bit like, and that's the cynic in me of some bands who are just like, well, you're not going to play our music. So we're going to make this tuning so screwed up. <laughs> you know, I think that's fair to a point, but I do think that, it does give you an originality that can't easily be copied. Mm -hmm. Like Tonic had a lot of open tracks. Right. I like everything the Black Crows plays in open tune, everything the Stones plays. I don't think that Keith Richards was like, let me figure out why I now can play all tracks. You know, like, I don't think that was what he was doing. I think he was kind of just like, this is awesome. I stumbled open. I stumbled on open G. Yeah. And here we go, you know, like that's he so he is the king of that. Like mm -hmm. he, undeniably, you hear a Stones track, you're like, okay, that's even if you didn't know it, you're like, that's probably Keith Richards. You know? Yep, I agree. Nice. All right, I'm gonna go a couple of different genre here, my All man. Right. You ready? Let me let me get let me go. We got okay. I'm gonna go. Um, Paul Chambers, who was the upright bass player from Miles Davis. Oh my goodness. On the track, so what? <laughs> Like if you hear the original track, it's like boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. It's like boo, doo, 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 doo. you know what I mean? It's like boo, doo, 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 boo, doo. It's so good. Mm -hmm. He's so, it's it's unmistakable, dude. Uh, so we went into jazz. You're probably freaking out. I, I uh -huh. my head's gonna explode. It's amazing. I've got Nathan Lamar Watts from the song "I Wish" on Stevie Wonder's. Uh, I want to say that's yeah, that is that's on "Songs in the Key of Life." Well but, done, you know, sir. You know that track? Uh, I don't. Do you know that? Oh, it's so good. Looking back on when I... It's so good. Very nice. All right. I'm going to go War Pigs. Black Sabbath. Yes. Good call. Good call. Terrence Geezer Butler. Amazing. Love it. And the opening track and even the solo or where Tony Iommi's going nuts is amazing. We already covered Give It Away. I'm going to go Chris Squires on roundabout but yes. yes 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 uh yeah there you go see i did it to you i was like yes yes like, sounds yes. like yes um, yes yes i'm gonna go good times by chic bernard edward you sure. know that track yes, i mean yes, it's, obviously I it's sampled yep. for like the sugar hill gang that whole thing and i'm gonna close out with paul mccartney now everyone want like come together as a sweet baseline mm -hmm. but when i was playing um bass and i was trying to figure out like a really cool track that mccartney was playing dude obla di obla da is probably one it's like boom boo doo boo that's boo -doo, cool. and it's really yeah. cool how it moves through all the chord changes i never um, thought about that so that's a good one i'm gonna close with obla di obla da by the beatles and i'm gonna say the bass player is paul mccartney love it and there you have it that's my list man dude great list it's awesome for both of us. I it's agree. all over the place, which is, Everywhere. I think, which makes it so great. So well Amazing. done. Well done. Well done, my man. All right. Let's uh, move on into verses. Versus, as I told you at the beginning of the episode, we're going to be covering bands where we have had multiple great solo artists come out. And there are a few, you know, and uh, whether or not we get to all of these, we'll see. Stevie and I have talked about it, whether it's the Beatles, the Eagles, Genesis, 
You know, we can, we can go down that rabbit hole, blind faith perhaps, right? There's a number of them, but there's actually not too many beyond that. So if you have a good mm -hmm. one, let us know. And today we're going to cover McCartney versus Harrison. Because when you look across the Beatles catalog, sure, you could say they each had a reasonably successful solo career in their post-Beatles work. I think McCartney may have had the most successful. Stevie thinks Harrison. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Now, yeah. just so you know also, I have a real like you know affinity and sweet spot in my heart for George Harrison. Now, he is my favorite Beatle. I've been a Beatles fan my entire life. My father mm -hmm. got me on the Beatles very, very, very young. My mother, too, actually, to be honest with you. And uh, I always loved the entire band, but George, for some reason, I don't know if maybe it was his, his humbleness or his modesty, but he always seemed, and of course he was the quiet Beatle, right? But he always stood out to me as kind of the one, if He's you were going to emulate horse, anybody, man. yeah, that yeah, was the guy. The dark horse, yeah. So anyway, Steve, as I always do, I'm going to put it on you first. Talk to me about why we're going Harrison or why you're going Harrison. You know, for the, for the rhythm section, <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now. Uh, and like, thanks, Mike. I know you once again, make it seem like you're being gracious. You're not, <laughs> you're not again. That's nothing to do with you. I love you as a human being. This is, this is not gracious. That's great. Um, I don't know that I would say versus necessarily mm. because it's kind of, I mean, look, commercially, True. would you say that McCartney probably had the better career? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he played with wings and he had solo stuff. And of course he did that. He did say, say, say with Michael Jackson, which mm -hmm. is, and whenever I'm sad, I listen to that song and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, can, I can, I can continue on here and you know, I can carry on. Yeah. Um, for me and you know, because dude, McCart McCartney's the bubbly one, right? Yeah. Like Lennon was for like sure. the brooding, yep. I'm pissed off all the time. Ringo was like, I'm lucky to be in the band type of thing. <laughs> and I'm not saying it like that. I mean, cause he's a great drummer. You know, um, you know, Pete Best leaves and then there you go. Right. So, sure. but Harrison, I feel like he had to endure a lot of nonsense when he first joined the band. Mm -hmm. He's very young and Lennon kind of dismissed him. Not so much McCartney, but, mm -hmm. um, but his guitar playing in the Beatles and his work in the Beatles is unmistakable. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, like you said, while my guitar gently weeps, don't bother me. Happy just to dance with you. Mm -hmm. Long, long, long. Here comes the sun, dude. How many yeah. kids learn that song? Sure. And yesterday, you yep. know what I mean? Like, yep. it's not just musical influence. Like they had, they were like in pop culture, not mm -hmm. just pop artists. You know what I'm saying? Tax man within you, without you. All those tracks are amazing, you know. Yeah. And the guitar work is really good. And he was playing the Gretsch, you know, like super high up on oh, his yeah. body. He basically was like resting his neck oh, on the guitar. One of the giant Gretsches. Yep. And it was super biting you know like mm -hmm. when he was playing and like roll over beethoven all those songs are amazing um and then i told you this right i've got this crazy bootleg of a recording session when they're recording let it be hmm. and it's basically you know like the last album that was going to mm -hmm. get released or one of you know one of the one of the ones that was going to get released and he's in there talking about doing a solo album mm -hmm. and it's amazing because That's he's basically awesome. he's like, I've got my quota of songs for like 10 years or sort of albums, <laughs> but I might just do an album of songs. And, it's just a, and John Lennon goes on your own like that, as if to be like, really? Shut up, George. Yeah. And then you hear, you know, you know, Yoko in the back, like, wow, that's great. You know, he's like, cause I could mix them all in a week and it sort of preserves the Beatle bit here more as well. Like, it's just so great. That's great. But, but you had never, and they play all things must pass as mm -hmm. the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And the harmony wow. is incredible. Oh, it's really cool. I have to lend it to you. Yeah. I never, never heard you. Um, it. But dude, that that you know, and then you listen to All Things Must Pass, mm -hmm. and um, and all the other albums like um, like Living in the Material World, and but dude, Cheer Down is on Lethal Weapon Two. It's the closeout song mm. for Lethal Weapon Two, and you hear it, and you wrote that with Petty, and you forget how amazing that song is. But dude, All Things Must Pass is a quadruple album. Mm. Think about how much music you had to write. And how many of those songs are so incredible? Mm -hmm. um, besides his work with the Wilburys, everyone's gonna say "Got My Mind Set on You" and like and like give him a hard time about that track. I happen to really like that track. Um, the video was super cool when we were kids too, when it first came out, because like all like the clocks were moving around and like the chairs were moving. But dude, George's voice, his harmony, the arrangements, the words, the slide guitar. And his slide doesn't get name checked enough, but it's amazing. The various styles, like he was really big into Indian music. Uh, he collaborated, like I said, with really cool people with like, he was like one of the first ones to do like benefit concerts, right? Mm. Like he did like concert for Bangladesh. 
he had a huge um, uh, influence on Clapton. They were really good friends. That song Badge, do you know that song Badge? Yeah, That's yeah. a Harris of tune if yeah, you yeah. play it. You know, that's a good point. I forgot oh, about that. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. But dude, like give me love, cheer down. I think he was he was relevant. He was a relevant artist. And mm-hmm. and he he easily could have gone down the road of just writing Beatles tracks mm-hmm. or, you know, just just kind of uh, going down that road in a way that like would not uh, would not be challenging like or to do yeah. new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Like mm-hmm. The safe route. But he didn't do that, you know, like That's he true. didn't instantly jump in with like a band. He was just George Harrison and he got mm-hmm. people together and they played and they had like Jimmy Keltner and all these like they were great, man. Um, so, again, would I say it's like better than McCartney? Mm. No, but I also don't think it was necessarily intended to be like as poppy because Paul, whether he likes it or not, is going to write pop music. Yep, it just sure. is what it is. Sure. Um, and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, again, his work in, with the Wings is awesome. His solo stuff is really cool. Uh, and, God, I mean, damn it, the guy can still write a song. Yeah. Jesus. Like, he, they, uh, you know, I know Harrison passed away. And his, his birthday actually just passed. I think it was February 27th. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he would have been, in, I want to say, 78 or something like that. But it was super relevant. I was listening to the radio, and they had, like, the Harrison, you know, hour. And, <laughs> and I was awesome. like, oh, I wonder why they're doing this. They're like, yeah, it was his right. birthday. So. Right. So that's me, man. I mean, my buddy Paul really like clued me into how awesome Harrison was and mm-hmm. how awesome Harrison tracks, Harrison Beatle tracks were. It's undeniable how amazing While well, My Guitar Gently Weaves is, mm-hmm. right? But um, if I had to listen to solo stuff between me and you, like I, out of the out of the four of them, including Ringo, because Ringo deserves his his time in the sun as a solo guy. Yeah. Um, I invariably will pick Harrison every time. Yep. So that's, that's, you know, if I had to put him versus, yeah. McCartney, again, I love Paul McCartney. Sure. I, I, I would take, I'd take George Harrison. So what do you think about well, that? Well put, well put, sir. Uh, now listen, I, I think I'm going to say a few things. So firstly, Harrison, I think is, is one of, uh, the most talented guitar players of all time. And, uh, you know, all things must pass one of the greatest albums of all time. I certainly could listen to that anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Couldn't agree more. So good. If what we're talking about here is, you know, solo careers post the legendary rock band, I just think there's something left to be said and desired about the Harrison uh, side of things. I think he left something on the table. You know, if you look at the 14 years, I got this number here, prior to his 2001 passing, he didn't release anything. So it was quiet for so long. And maybe you could you know, say that as, hey, I dropped the mic after I had such a great career and I'm calling it quits. Lennon, the same thing. Between 75 and 80, Lennon didn't release anything either. So McCartney has been the only one that's really been consistent. Now, listen, Ringo actually has an album coming out like this year or next year. So, you know, God bless him. But if you look at McCartney's catalog, I mean, first of all, a couple stats here. Uh, his total number one songs are only surpassed by Elvis and Stevie Wonder. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that he has sounds right. Twenty-three yeah. top ten hits, twenty-five solo albums, twenty-five solo albums, and if you go into his second album, uh, Ram, right, and this is considered by many a follow-up to Abbey Road in terms of like musical create uh, creativity, you can really hear kind of that Beatles influence, and uh, and and to your point, right, maybe that was the safe route. I don't know, but for somebody who was such an architect. In the Beatles, I think it would have been hard for him to stray in such a divergent path. Like when later on, when he did work with some of the more modern groups, right? He did some work with Dave Grohl, and he did some work with uh, them that crooked vultures really cool, and those by guys. The way. Right? Did you see? What, did you see that episode yeah. of doing that? And he's like, and Dave Grohl's like, I wish it was easy all the time. <laughs> I was like, well, it is. You know, he's just like he's so badass. He's basically like writing songs is easy. It doesn't mean they're all going to be good. Well, but and I think that's a great yeah. point because what what it got me thinking about is that whole thing that Quincy Jones said about the Beatles, and in particular Paul McCartney, about how. Really, he was way overrated, terrible bass player, this and that. And it was kind of unfair when you think about it because Paul was so much more than a bass player and still is, right? I mean, the musical creativity, the songwriting ability, the ability to put it all together to sing as well. I mean, the guy, well, first of all, I think he had a great voice. Does he still have a great voice? Listen, when you're 70 some odd years old, it's not easy to have a great voice. It's still pretty good, But he good, can still man. get out there and do it. Um a few I told songs. you I saw him live at City yeah. Field. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't that long ago. 
Uh, anyway, but his voice was awesome. A few know? songs so. where I think, you know, it really, you can really tell, uh, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, right? Which is a great medley, which again, <laughs> could just as well be on Abbey Road. Uh, maybe I'm amazed, Jet, so Another good. Day, Band on the Run, Let Me Roll It, all great, incredible Paul McCartney songs. And as much as I hate to say it, I think with George, it's it's kind of all things must pass or bust with me. And now I know he has other songs and other albums, right? But to me, that was it. Whereas with McCartney, I think there's more versatility and I can do Beatles era stuff that sounds like the Beatles. I could do more intermediate rock type stuff. And then I can even do some modern catalog if I needed to. Not the biggest fan of it. But I do think that there's a, a pretty robust catalog. And um, in terms of overall commercial success, I don't think that number is even close. But that's just because I think of the, the quantity and the volume more so than anything. So I guess what I'm saying is I would have loved to have heard Harrison do a little bit more. And I don't know if it was because his health was deteriorating for that period of time or whatever it may have been. But, um, you know, for, for somebody who I, I always look to as like the great Beatle, the one you didn't hear from that much. Man, could have used just a little bit more, uh, certainly at, up and towards the end there. But overall, you know, I'm going to go McCartney over Harrison in this uh, solo battle. So here is my reaction. <laughs> um, when you put out so much material, mm. it I think it's fine. And I'm not. And look, let, let's call it what it is. Is it all top notch? No, right, right? Let's right. let's call it what it is. I think Harrison's lyricism, like lyric, those words I think are deeper than many of, not all, but many of McCartney's songs. I agree with that. I think he was very, he was kind of a, he really embraced like Buddhism, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. meditation and all this stuff. I think he was kind of like, I'm going to put it out there. And if I want to do more, I can. If I want to do less, I can. Like, I don't know that he got so hung up in you know, putting more out. I think Paul just has to be moving. Mm. He has to be writing. He has to be putting this stuff. I don't think that ever plagued George. I think he was like, whatever, man, I'll sit in my, you know, estate that they, uh, you know, that they took the picture of all things must pass in. And, and yeah. he was like, I'll basically just like hang out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he, yeah. And as he, that's why like in the material world, like as it got later, I don't think he felt the need to do that. I think he was like, if it, if it strikes me, I'll do it. If not, whatever. Um, you know, I, and I think he had like McCartney had more going on in his life. Yeah. Right. I think he had like more children. Linda passed away. Then he got divorced to get right. Like, I think he was like in some way you're almost like, does he have to keep moving so it doesn't eventually catch up with him too hard at mm -hmm. one time, mm -hmm. you know? But, um, I think albeit less material, I think in, that's way more impactful mm. to do less and have it be that much more impactful than put out 25 albums and mm -hmm. say, well, some of it's good and some of it's passable. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, I, I, you feel like you're cutting down a legend Sure. and that's not the goal. <clears throat> right. The goal is like, if you put the two of them together again, you, it's like you, you can't lose picking either one of these guys. We say this all the time, <clears throat> you know, but, uh, and you... I just find it's, it's even more fun to play Harris and stuff like behind that locked mm. door off all things must pass. And all things must pass. The song are amazing. Mm. Isn't it a pity? Mm. Is probably one of the best songs I've ever heard. Yeah, and played. Great and tune. the lyrics are amazing. And you know, and I'm sure a lot. It relates to a lot of people too, right? Like he, so he doesn't always go at a topic directly. Mm -hmm. But anyway, though, to me, you know, to me, he's super deep with what he writes about. So you know, you could leave it at that. Well, there you go. There, there's my response. I agree, buddy. I love it. I love it, and I love the Beatles. And uh, I think this was fun. I'm looking forward to the next one. So Absolutely. good stuff, Stevie. Word. All right, let me take this over here to sounds from the rhythm section because we actually do have some uh, interesting thoughts from a few folks in relation to or in regards to uh, some of our previous episodes. <laughs> So this interesting one, is in yeah. air quotes. Yeah. Oh my god. This one comes directly at me uh from Todd on Instagram and he says, "One, Rage is amazing." And the first <laughs> and the first Boston album was the perfect album at the perfect time. So, yeah, obviously this is, you know, listen. I I may not be the biggest Rage fan. We've talked about why. 
But, you know, they certainly have their moment. And Boston, yeah, we, we had this whole thing about Arena we Rock. talked about that. That yeah. album was tight, and it's hard to argue that. He also mentions here that the new Drive by Truckers album is great, even without Isbell. So, you know. I don't know it, but I'll listen to it. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Because he was he was a kind of a transplant anyway, right? He wasn't, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's it was great. like in and out. So, yep. Yeah. All right. The next cool. thing right. I want to highlight here, also on Instagram, and if you do follow us on Instagram, try to keep an eye out for these every once in a while because I'll put out these feelers. Um, there's been a bunch of new albums that come out this year, uh, in particular the Foo Fighters, Medicine at Midnight. And I wanted to see what people thought about it. So I put out an album cover and asked some questions about it. And this one gentleman in particular, or I shouldn't say gentleman, I can't tell from the picture, to be honest with you. Um, he says, fire. So for him, this album was tremendous. Uh, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce this hashtag uh, for his, his little setup here. But it sounds like overall people liked the new Foo Fighters album. I listened to it start to finish. And I thought it was almost too produced, too polished, to be honest with you. I felt like uh, it took Dave Grohl in a different direction, far away from where he was several years back producing that album that he made in his garage. You know, so it felt overly produced to me. That yeah. was that was uh, a note about the Medicine and Midnight uh, album. And then the next one here I put out for the new Weezer album, which if you have not listened to, I listened to that one start to finish three or four times. And uh, it's amazing. It's so cool. The first time I hated it. Second time grew on me. Third time I was like hooked on it. By the fourth time I'm like singing the songs. So catchy. And it's yeah. almost totally orchestral, but it's super uh -huh. tight. And uh, I put out a feeler on Instagram about that. And uh, Dave here wrote back. He said, not interested unless it's anything like pre-2003 Weezer. And I even think that's a little late for some people. They may want to go back into the 90s. Um, but again, I told him, you know, give it, give it a chance, check it out. There is something to it. Uh, Steve, do you get like, a chance to listen to either of those two albums? No, I haven't. But you know, that reminds me of like Pinkerton and Maladroit. Yeah. Those PP, they got pilloried for right. those albums. And now you look back and people think they're amazing and it, they are. It's like know? the so Pearl Jam like, discussion earlier, right? It's, it kind of is. Yeah. 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 They, you know, it's a departure, man. It's like the Led Zepp three after mm -hmm. one and two, you know, it's some bands, true artists. It's hard after a while. They don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. I do have two honorable mentions here from, I'm going to add this to sounds from the rhythm section from my father who wanted to add to and contribute to tonight's episode. Uh, so for him, a couple baseline songs that he thought were pretty tight uh, from the who Boris, the spider wow. and from deep purple highway star. So these see, that's cool. so Those are two great tracks yep. and, and they probably, they belong on there. You know, yep. people, I know people might say my generation too for and mm. whistle, but yeah, Good call. but anyway, yeah. I'm sure there's so many we missed. There's and, a lot. I'm sure as, we missed. Yeah. yeah. As always, you know, Rhythm Section, let us know what we did miss because I'm sure you're going to. Uh, mm. Why wouldn't you? There are so many great songs and we obviously didn't cover a lot of them out there. And certainly we tried to get into a bunch of different genres tonight, which was fun. So well done all around. Stevie, anything yeah, else you like, got for the like Rhythm Section? No, appreciate you hanging in there with us as always and appreciate you listening and I'm sure we'll be back soon. So. All right. Well, as always, uh, give us a like or two or as many as you'd like on Facebook. We'd appreciate it. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Shoot us an email, musictheorypodcast at gmail.com. Stevie and I are actually in the process of getting a website up and running. We're moving into the 21st century. Yeah, and <laughs> hopefully we'll have a, a website up there because we actually do have some pretty cool swag, uh, which you can grab if you go on to our Zazzle site and you can type in Music Theory Podcast and you'll find us there. If you're looking for a shirt, mug, some other cool swag, and we'll have that up on the uh, website there too. So with that being said, thank you again for listening and uh, rock on. Until next time. Thank you.